0: Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome uh, to our podcast. My name is Delaney.
1: And my name is Zachary. Welcome to the first episode of our brand new podcast, The, the mental, mental Health, health Burrito, Burrito, where we deconstruct the complex complex ingredients of mental health through a mixture of our own experiences as well as research.
0: Uh, today we're going to be talking about stigma stigma is defined as the false belief that those with mental disorders are frightening unpredictable strange often dangerous and um as defined by psychiatry.org there are three different forms of stigma public self and institutional so first up we want to talk about public stigma public stigma is the type of stigma that you think of when you hear the word stigma i've said stigma a lot <laughs> um, and basically It's the common false beliefs about those with mental disorders that are held by a whole population. So um, not held by those with mental disorders exactly, but by people in general.
1: And it's also the way that these common beliefs are projected onto other people, especially those who have some form of mental illness. And for those who have mental illness, this kind of... Stigma is all around constantly invading every aspect of their lives. It's kind of like when you hear someone make a joke about someone with mental health or someone either belittles the experiences of someone struggling with mental illness and or shows a clear lack of understanding of that illness.
0: Yeah. So um, something interesting that we found we were researching public stigma was a study from April 2020. And it looked at the movie rendition of Joker. um, Because Joker, which most people listening probably know, um, is a DC villain, and they made a movie out of him. And it um, could definitely contribute to the concept of stigma towards people with mental health. So somebody did a correlational study, and they found that the movie was correlated um, with higher levels of prejudice towards those with mental illness. Um, so this is really interesting because we see so much content about mental illness in, like, represented in media, and this film is a great example of that. And although it's just a correlational study, it's not, you know, causational. Um, it says a lot about public stigma. And in general, you know,
1: yeah, I think definitely one thing that stood out to me about the study is it speaks to the lack of understanding some people have about various forms of mental illness because they definitely are not all the same, but there are some commonalities, and I think that a lot. I'm I'm guessing a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people in the study lacked a, a base and understanding of of what it's like to have a mental illness, of the experiences of what that's like. They don't have anyone maybe they know to ground that in, so they're more susceptible to more fantastical ideas or exaggerated ideas of what a mentally ill person may be experiencing or may be like. And they can also, since they don't have that kind of broad base to compare these Hollywood representations of mental illness to, then they can just immediately assume that this is the case for everyone who has some form of mental illness, no matter what it is, no matter to what degree they experience it, they just assume that they're all the same. In the case of the Joker, it would be a person who is constantly psychotic and dangerous to others, which is not the case, obviously, for everyone.
0: Right, and you know, because like this article that we found this on, on psychiatry.org, we read through it, and basically it summarizes stigma up to, you know, a generalization of an entire population of people who struggle with mental illnesses, which is often that size of the population is often drastically underestimated. So when people in an audience are consuming that media, um, depicting the Joker, and even though the movie does go into, like, you know, his backstory, why he is the way that he is, it really does not, it obviously does not capture the realistic aspects of mental illness. Um... Which is much more, you know, you know, the Joker is literally a supervillain, like, he is incredibly dangerous, um, and that is a complete caricature of a person who actually suffers from mental illness in the real world.
1: Yeah, I think also it's very easy, another thing that this study kind of speaks to is how it's very, very easy for people to see those as more, I guess, traditionally mentally ill as the other. And they can kind of, like, separate themselves from that, and that makes it easier to make assumptions and harmful stereotypes about these people. This obviously isn't the case for um, all forms of mental health, like schizophrenia or OCD or something like that. That's very specific. Um, But for things more like anxiety and depression... A lot of people, virtually everyone, experiences these feelings to a certain degree. There is definitely a difference between someone who has these emotions in passing and someone who may have a diagnosable disorder where they have a greater predisposition towards having these emotions and it's much more common and much more extreme for them. But I think it's also important for people to realize that for for specific types of mental illness, say um, depression, anxiety, maybe not all, a lo- virtually everyone experiences these to some degree, and I think if people realize that, then it may be, it may h- um, help them see mentally ill people as less of the other.
0: Yeah, as somebody, I mean, as Zach and I both have experienced, you know, different forms of mental illness, um, you know, I've seen The Joker. Um, I don't think Zach has. I've actually seen the movie, and while the movie didn't get the greatest reviews um i particularly disliked it out of a lot of my friends who watched it um i think it's the way that someone like someone that like me would perceive it is a lot differently from somebody who maybe doesn't struggle with the same things that we do would perceive it like um and you know this this transitions more into how an individual would perceive it somebody you know, um, who actually does struggle with stuff like this. Um, further in the study, they, uh, the researchers commented that the Joker may actually exacerbate self-stigma for those with a mental illness, which could lead to a delay in help-seeking, uh, which moves into our second form of stigma, actually, which is self-stigma. And it is the false beliefs pertaining to oneself about mental illness often, um, which is often created from public stigma. You know, thoughts like, I am dangerous, I am incompetent, I am to blame for my own illness. Um, and, you know, so that, that kind of goes into another study that we found, which was from 2017. And, again, it was correlational, um, which they found that a period of over two years, a study of 200 individuals, they found that greater self-stigma was associated with poorer recovery from mental illness, um, over the course of those years. So something interesting about self stigma is that it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, you have these thoughts, you think I'm dangerous. Mm -hmm. It is my fault. And therefore that leads to you both needing more help and being much less likely to actually seek and receive help.
1: Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with that. I think at least I've noticed for me, self stigma is generally a lot harder to deal with. Um, for some people who... I guess for people who are mentally ill... It, when we experience self-stigma... Compared to public stigma... Which is hard in its own right... We can never really escape, escape self-stigma... Because when we go home... Or when we're just by ourselves... We can we can forget about public stigma... Or at least not feel so threatened by it... Not feel its presence quite as much... But there is no escaping you know, our own minds... We all, We are always carrying with us... The weight of self-stigma... And that can be hard. And sometimes, I know for my own self, it's hard to remember that I am indeed strong um, when I can't deal with self-stigma. But I try to remind myself that um, sometimes sometimes I do need help from other people. But the fact that I'm able to keep going and continue on and just go through day by day, it's uh, a testament to my strength and my ability to deal with self-stigma.
0: Yeah, um... I totally agree, and I think um it's important to note just how much public stigma affects self self stigma yeah. none of these types of stigma are individual they're all interrelated public stigma you know um people talk about how as you know <laughs> people are getting they're like within new generations, mental health is getting worse, mm-hmm. um and a lot of people blame um you know social media and stuff like that and they're they're probably not that far off because to some extent you can't quite escape public stigma as much as you could before it's in everything it's everywhere um and that could definitely lead to higher levels of self-stigma including in myself um you know in my own experiences with social media and being home there is no real way to escape it and it 100% could feed into, you know, seeing other people and, you know, characters like the Joker being portrayed as this damaging, you know, dangerous um, figure of mental health, crazy. Um, you know, it feeds into that idea that I am dangerous. I If I told people what I struggled with, I could be seen as, as different, as othered, as even crazy or dangerous, you know.
1: Yeah, I think for me, one of the reasons public stigma is a little easier to deal with is because when I hear or see instances of public stigma in regards to mental health, it's easier for me to act as my own buffer towards that in a way, to kind of second-guess the validity of those ideas, those false ideas and those harmful ideas, and I can kind of, it's easier to reassure myself like, no, that is not the case, but when it comes to self-stigma and those ideas aren't coming from outside, they're coming from within my own mind, it's harder to act as a buffer, to speak, against myself. It's harder to second-guess the validity of my own concept about myself because I can objectively understand that they come from harmful and false ideologies from other people, but once they kind of become a part of how I think of myself, they're harder to deconstruct and they're harder to... Um, it's harder to realize that they're false sometimes because I think so consciously me and probably many others like me start to wonder if that would then imply that everything I know, everything I perceive is false. If I can't trust this part of, of me, then what can I trust? And that's kind of a scary mentality or thought to have. And sometimes it just feels safer, honestly, um, to, just you know stay in my own mind and try to not think about it, yeah,
0: um, and that's what makes education about these topics so important, you know, knowing things like this about what stigma is um is really, really important in somebody who might be struggling with self stigma and might be having these false beliefs, these like these thoughts in their head that are not based in reality at all, um you know it could. You know, it's it's really important to understand the truth behind what people think, um, in the in the real reasoning for it. It's not just it's not because there's actually any reality based in it. It's because of you know, the way that um, you know like um, group polarization. You know, the concept that the more people discuss something in a group setting, the more likely they are to believe it, the more strongly they believe about it. Just an example. Leading back to the Joker, a group of friends discussing the movie afterwards, you Mm -hmm. know, just discussing the concepts of mental health represented in it, um, easily strengthens these ideas, these stigmas, uh, negatively, like prejudicial thoughts against people with mental disorders. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, overcoming self stigma is much more difficult because once you're already rooted in that belief, once you really, truly believe that about yourself, it's harder to convince yourself of reality. But something that, for me, definitely helped was learning about stuff like this. And, you know, over the course of something, like my struggle with seeking help was balancing the pros and cons of, um, you know, coming forward with my, my issues. Um, you know, pros, the odds that I will improve are heightened by the fact that I might be able to get help, that people might be able to, um, you know, make my life easier. Um, but the cons, you know, are based much more in this unrealistic perception of the world, which is that if I come out, people are going to, like, if I, if I come out and tell people about my mental disorders, you know, um, they're going to, I'm going to be estranged, I'm going to be, you know, maybe the fact that I am dangerous means that I shouldn't come out and talk about this. You know, really believing that you don't deserve help it was a big issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where self-stigma runs into this cycle of just making yourself feel like you don't deserve help. And therefore not receiving help, and therefore needing help even more, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think opening up is definitely a big thing. And once you do it, it generally, at least in my experience, it starts to get a little simpler and a little little easier um at first though it was definitely very complicated um it like kind of like delaney was saying um there's a sense of vulnerability you have to open up to and it kind of a harsh world that is responsible for so many as you're saying like aspects of public stigma ideas that people who are mentally ill are dangerous or are wrong and i think that it's it's kind of hard to get over that vulnerability. I know that it was for me. Um, I've been going to therapy for a couple of years now, and it's mm-hmm. become more of a, a second nature. I don't really think about it much, but it's interesting to think back of how it was initially, how hard it was to get over um, that that risk of being vulnerable to the world. And it happened again over quarantine. I saw going to therapy, but I was able to go back after a couple of months and I guess after after a time, after, you know, being used to I guess my routine of constantly going to therapy, reaching out to my friends, it does get a little easier, but it's still not always easy. And I, I think that like for some people who still may struggle with, you know, opening up and with a vulnerability, that isn't a sign of weakness, not even close. Um it's it's important to consider that the world in which you live is very harsh and very unforgiving and there are resources there um for for people who are mentally ill once they look but there are also plenty of reasons why someone who's mentally ill may doubt that there are many people who have um false ideas and harmful ideas about people with mental illness which kind of going back with like the i guess transition from public stigma to self-stigma person may not believe they're worthy they may not believe they deserve help and getting over that initial kind of hurdle is very difficult for almost everyone
0: yeah um no i i totally agree um and that's kind of that's kind of the unfortunate part of um you know the belief that someone has from self-stigma you know while they aren't based in reality public stigma can make it feel very real you know there are def there there may be a chance that when you come forward to friends or family that at first they don't understand and some of their actions may lead you to to like reinforce some of those thoughts that you have you know because of their um previous false understandings of what mental illness is but that isn't to say that there aren't professionals out there who could certainly help because, you know, talking to a parent, for example, um, even if they might not fully understand what mental illness is because of stigma, um, it could still lead to, you know, you receiving help and you improving through, you know, the common idea that is that mental illness deserves treatment. So that at least was helpful in my own journey of seeking help, you know.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, And I think, at least speaking from the point of view of a person who has mental illness, I don't don't expect people to get everything right away. Because I understand that for people who may not be more, I guess, traditionally considered mentally ill, it's, it's easy to be susceptible to stigmas and stereotypes. And I understand that... But what I think is most important for me, and I probably speak for many other people as well, is that we just hope people are open to hearing what we have to say. I, I just hope that people consider my experiences and listen to me as I'm saying them, not as they not as they hear it, if that makes sense, like not according to their stigmas and their stereotypes, but simply as I'm saying it. And I think a big part of that kind of which, you know, you mentioned a little earlier, Delaney, is education Um I think, what, at least for something that I've thinking, been thinking about, is it's easy for me to assume that everyone's brain works the same way as mine, that everyone has these same experiences as I do, but it's important to realize that that's not the case. Not everyone, most people, don't see the world as I do, and it's it's important that I and others kind of share some of our experiences to deconstruct these stereotypes, there was um, something in one of the articles that Delaney and I were researching that said, especially among, like, teens and, um, I guess, young adults, when they were looking up things about mental health and they were trying to understand it, they looked for personal experiences from people who may be considered mentally ill. And so I think it is good that people who do have mental illness try to share their experiences and try to be authentic and try to be vulnerable. At the same time, though, um, kind of like I said earlier, it is not easy to be vulnerable about topics such as, you know, one's own mental health or mental illness. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is not a sign of weakness in any way, shape or form. And even for the people who are more used to becoming a little more vulnerable and used to sharing their their, um, experiences a little more often, speaking from my own experience, it does become tiring after a while. Um, And so while, yes, I do think there's a benefit um, to people with mental illness sharing their experiences and being vulnerable, that should not be the expectation. And as, as much as I understand the, the benefit of that, it's not fair to place that burden exclusively on people with mental illness.
0: Yeah. It's one, um, something that made a huge difference is, it was for me, is just noticing that people who care about me are taking the time to, you know, do their own research, make their own education, take the time to actually try to understand what I'm going through, um, and, you know, that honestly, because putting, you're right, putting the burden on the individual who's suffering from it isn't fair, um, And we, you know, shouldn't feel responsible for other people understanding, but, you know, another point to that is that it can be extremely helpful if you take the time to first educate yourself and then, you know, educate your friends and family um, because that can just lead to improvement of life overall. Um, So there is something to be said for that, but um, for people who want to help their friends, who want to help their loved ones it is crucial to do your own research, do your, make your own education, learn about it for yourself. Because um, you can be much more supportive that way.
1: Yeah, when it comes to, I definitely agree with all of that. And I think also when it comes to kind of deconstructing the stigmas, I think another important, I guess, concept to be aware of is kind of the comparisons between physical health and mental health. Um, there's a lot to be said about how improvements in one or, you know, one worsening can lead to similar, um, changes in the other. For example, a lot of times people who are depressed or, you know, have anxiety are told to exercise more and that'll help with their condition. And there's definitely evidence to back that up. But I just mean to say that like, um, health as a whole is comprised of physical and mental health. Um, and I just think it's interesting the different attitudes that a lot of people have about one versus the other. A lot the word mental or the words mental health I feel are a lot more scary for a lot of people. Um, if someone were to say that they um had some disease or they, they broke a bone or something, the reaction I feel for most people would be much would be very much like sympathetic um and compassion. But when I feel a lot of people try to disclose what they're going through in terms of um, their own mental health or any mental illnesses that they're struggling with, I feel like a lot of people kind of meet that with the sense of like, oh, oh, okay, that's that's weird. It's something I don't understand. And unfortunately, sometimes it does kind of breed fear or hesitation. Not for everyone. Definitely not for everyone. And But there are some people who definitely do not understand it and I think it's important to um, I guess consider the way the ways that physical health and mental health are maybe not similar but are correlated and are both important and comprise the entire health of any given person
0: yeah and you know it's it's also important to note that a large uh, proportion of people not People who suffer with mental illness in general, not just the population of all people, but population of people with mental illnesses, um, are unaware of, are uneducated on matters like this. Um, And on the same article on psychiatry.org, it says that more than half of people with mental illness don't receive help for their disorders. So that just goes to show how few people, you know, and, and I'll bet that a large amount of people with mental illnesses who don't seek help um, you know, they don't know the difference between, they don't know that their self-stigma is caused by public stigma, they don't know that their thoughts are unrealistic, and they don't understand that there are resources out there to help them. And, you know, through education, that could easily, that could definitely be changed. Mm -hmm. Um, so education is not only lacked in, you know, the lack of understanding is not only lacked by people who don't have mental illnesses, but by, just people in general. So that, that treatment, that lack of connection between physical health and mental health, you know, pe- nobody sees those as being similar. Nobody treats them generalizing, uh, but nobody treats them as the same, um, even though a similar attitude would be much more realistic. Yeah. Um, so basically, so we're going to wrap up the self-stigma Topic now. Um, Mm -hmm. The third type is institutional stigma, Um, and the institutional stigma is um, stereotypes embodied in laws and institutions. So Zach and I don't have much experience um, with this form of stigma, Um, and this stigma, this form of stigma, um, it's also important to note the discrimination that results from it, which is you know, lack of being able to find a job, lack of opportunity because of mental health. Um, so while we don't feel very comfortable speaking on this specific form of it, it's important to note that it too is part of these three and public stigma directly relates to it, um, as can self-stigma, you know, a lack of self-efficacy, you know, the feeling of why try, um, I'm just going to be perceived this way by coworkers, etc. Um, but in general, that is the third type of stigma. And, um, there is definitely a lot of research going into stigma in the workplace Mm -hmm. that we've seen in this article. Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, kind of like Delaney, you were saying, um, we do not have, we feel that we do not have quite the experience to, to have as much of a discussion on institutionalized stigma, But there's definitely an important conversation, many conversations to be had about this kind of stigma. And also, I think something that Delaney was mentioning earlier was the way that these kind of, these three kinds of stigma play into each other. Um, Namely, we mentioned a lot how public stigma can play into self-stigma. I also, we also kind of thought that public stigma can play into institutionalized stigma as kind of like the general concepts shared among people, the false beliefs that are had about people with mental illness can kind of shape the way that, you know, laws and other institutions are formed, or at the very least, the lack of consideration for these kinds of people. It may not be an active bias, but there's also kind of a lack of an understanding and unconscious biases that play into the formation of this kind of stigma. And it can also reinforce other types of stigma like self, Um, The inequitable distribution of resources and um, the presence of, you know, assistance for people with mental illness can kind of reinforce the belief among people with mental illness that they're not good enough, that they don't deserve the same um, treatment or the same resources as others, which then can lead to the growing of self-stigma in an individual.
0: Yeah, um, and just to share some of the research that we have on institutional stigma, which is um, something interesting that I found, is that um, more than one in three um, workers on average are concerned about retaliation or being fired if they seek mental health care. So, um, and this is the reality for some people, which is, you know, facing a lack of employment because of being vocal about mental illness, um, because of institutional stigma, which is reinforced by laws, which would allow somebody to be fired because of this. So um, in general, we don't have much to speak on institutional stigma, but um, it definitely is incorporated within these three. And um, I think that just about wraps up uh, our first episode kind of of, of, of the, the mental, mental health burrito. <laughs> oh no. Um kind of it was a little bit messy, but um we hoped you enjoyed listening. Yeah. And we'd love it if you would join us for our next episode. Um and
1: have a wonderful day.
0: Have a wonderful day. Woo.